Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the Helming Power Hour. <laughs> Hello, all you Jabberwockies. Welcome back to the Helming Power Hour. That's right. And what we have for you today is a special treat because Rick and I are together physically again so that we can put down our voices digitally for you. Face to face. We've gotten together again, and it has been about a month since we put together our last episodes via Skype. And we're hoping that uh, being together can revitalize this and make an episode equally as good as all five of our previous ones lumped into one and uh, at a volcano. The word is smorgasbord. That's right. So we're here together, and we're about to review some movies. And to give you a little inkling of those movies, we have some special effects. Yeah! Yeah! So with those, can you guess? I can guess. Jaws 3D. That's right, it's Jaws 3D. Is that the one that's got Brian Brown in it? It's got uh, Linda Brer in it. Linda Brer is Linda (laughs) Brer. Brer Rabbit. Brer Rabbit. Happy Easter. No, of course, it's the Mark Singer 1982 classic, if you could see what I hear. <laughs> it plays the blind guy and... Helming. No. No, it's the Beastmaster. The only Beastmaster. Tanya Roberts, Rip Torn, Mark Singer. Awesome. Then we're going to jump right into... The Sword and the Sorcerer. Which has got a lot of other people in it. Yeah, like Mark Singer, <laughs> Tanya Roberts. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. We're going to jump right into Beastmaster. Yeah, 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 yeah. He ain't got no time for no suckers. He's the main man. And don't mess around. Cause you might get smacked. Cause the bouncer's back, baby. With twice the jack. Spring Hill Jack 2. And your mama. All right. We're going to jump right into Beastmaster. I've got really fond memories of this movie. I've enjoyed it over the years. It's got some great stuff in it, so I'm pretty excited about talking about this one. I just wore this movie out as a kid. 
yeah, what's there not to like? You got swords, you got cats that may or may not be panthers. You have uh, eagles and and ferrets. It's also a, a, a fantasy flick, which you know may not get enough love. But really, these these fantasy movies they go places that your sci-fi or your reality they go places that they can't because magic makes everything possible. Right. So if you're looking for logic through a lot of these, that's not what it's about. It's a fairy tale. Exactly. And there's a reason that fairy tales have kept their longevity or other kinds of stories have failed. I mean, how many more times can you retell a fairy tale and how long have they lasted? Hundreds of years, sometimes thousands. So these people retell these stories and they always hold true to their core. Right. Just like Beastmaster. Just like Beastmaster. So let's jump into it. What's the reasons to watch Beastmaster if we do movies and fast forward? Well, tell me something, Rick. Do you like Battlestar Galactica? Sure I do. Well, what if I told you that you had Mark Singer, swords, a boomerang thing, lots of monstrous animals helping him, Rip Torn as a priest, and Battlestar Galactica music? Yeah, I, I'm sold. Uh, you you did bring that out when you were watching it. The music is very reminiscent to the Battlestar Galactica theme from the old 70s show. Yeah, it's got a few t- tweaks to it, but I think they borrowed a lot of the same scoring for, for several of these things. And Mark Singer was in at least half of them. I remember you saying as well that it was like they took the theme song from Bonanza and Battlestar Galactica and shoved them together and <laughs> made this song. So uh, that that's good to me, man. Yeah, well, I mean, though it's it's heavily reminiscent of the music, it doesn't mean it's bad because it's good music either way. Right. Okay, before we go any further, we've got a synopsis. Synopsis. <laughs> we've got a... Problem. <laughs> <laughs> So to give us a synopsis, here's a crappy Paul in. Beastmaster, made in 1982. A sword and sorcery fantasy about a young man's search for revenge. Armed with supernatural powers, this handsome hero and his animal allies wage war against marauding forces. Don Coscarelli was the director. The writers were Don Coscarelli and Paul Pepperman, don't you know? The stars were Mark Singer, Tanya Roberts, and Rip Torn. The storyline goes a little like this. Dar, the son of a king, is hunted by a priest after his birth. So he's sent to grow up in another family. When he becomes a grown man, his new father is murdered by savages. He discovers he has the ability to communicate with animals, and after that, Dar begins his quest for revenge in this Conan-like movie. Here's a quote from Dar's father. You might remember that he died. Dar, the gods have put the mark on you, and someday you'll find out why. Till then, this mark will be your guide. My sword and my caber will be your trusted companions. Protect Amer, your home. And if anything should happen to me, look for our enemies, the Juns. And you may search for your destiny in the Valley of Arook. 
I'm glad nobody's ever told me to search for my destiny in the valley of a rook. I'm not even sure where a rook would have a valley. All right. Thank you, Paul Lynn. <laughs> X takes center square. <laughs> oh, okay, Danny, why do we watch Beastmaster? Why do we watch Beastmaster? Well, I'm going to start out with hot witches. Yep, hot, barely dressed, pretty much naked witches. Yeah, and although they do have a uh, you know the, a scary face like the guy from Last Starfighter, you know, wrinkly, scary faces, they're uh, they're still pretty hot. They're, they're have, hot. They're hot. And throughout the movie, they're used as assassins. They just have a really cool part in that, and they're really neat. It's kind of like the deal of uh, if you're at a late night bar, and you know, and you see the body, and you're like, "Wow!" And then they turn around, and you go, ah! "Yeah." It's that's kind of what it's like. All right. Reason to watch <laughs> what movie is this? Beastmaster. So, who who do the the witches work for? Rip Torn. A big reason to watch this movie. Rip Torn. Rip Torn plays uh, the high priestess or uh, the high priest who uh, chewing up the scenery, man. Oh, this man. guy's all over the place. His his name is Mayax, and let me tell you, he kills kids. He uh he, he yells at the king. He has his own people hang themselves with these cool devices. Yep. He's got control over everybody. The ceremony where he's throwing the kids in the fire is just incredible. Yeah. You've got to check that part out for sure. We'll so, get around to that. Yeah. yeah. Rip Torn, without a doubt. Rip Torn. Another reason, uh, the, the the witch fight with Dar's dad. He fight, he fight around the fire in the middle of the night, the fire where where uh, the witch is going to kill Dar because he's the chosen one and she's been sent to kill him. She puts him in the belly of a yak. Uh Ties down his parents with a with a magic potion. Yeah, and gets them gets him to the fire, and then you know they, they, she fights this wandering guy and uh, yeah. Star's dad. Dude's just kind of just uh, walking through the wilderness and uh, sees this going on where she's going to sacrifice this baby. So he throws this weapon called the caber, hits the witch in the back, and she does the Obi Wan disappearing act. And uh, when these witches die, they laugh. I I don't know the connection there, but they just kind of laugh and it's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah, it, and and it kind of makes it seem like you never really beat them because they just they just float away in laughter. Uh, a big reason, and you heard Paul Lynn say it earlier, Don Coscarelli. I'm a big fan of a lot of his work. If you're familiar with Phantasm, the whole series, that's all Coscarelli, man. Bubba Hotep, John dies at the end. He he's done some good solid work. I think he's a great storyteller. And. The Phantasm movies, obviously. Um, yeah, he he makes movies that have you know, humor, action, horror, all of it put together, and he does it well. All right, so the next uh, the next thing I've got, the dog. Now, the Beastmaster's got this dog that he grows up with. It's this white Akita or something. And and uh, when the Jun Horde comes to kill him and his village, this dog gets shot right in the chest. Still drags him to safety so he can live. And, and while he recuperates, the dog dies. And not only does this dog, you know, do a great job of, of, you know, dragging him out, you know, as a dog actor who deserves a dog Oscar. Yep. And maybe even an Oscar Meyer Wiener, too. But Oscar Meyer Wiener. Yeah. <laughs> he he also, but later the, the dead dog is brought back into the village. And I don't know what they did to this dog, but it looks dead. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen a better death scene in a movie since uh, Dom DeLuise. Yeah. Hail Ming. Well, you know, he when he choked on that jelly bean in uh, Cannonball Run 4, 
The Jelly Bean Express. <laughs> jelly Bean Express. Helming. <laughs> oh. All right. My next reason to watch this movie. Why do you watch Beastmaster? Tanya Roberts. Yeah! yeah she's, uh, she's bathing in a very, very cold waterfall. I'll say it again. Tanya Roberts. Yeah! Yep. And Beastmaster thinks so, too, because it drives him to do some really creepy stalking. When you're in a village and the whole village gets wiped out and you're a young guy and you never really did any dating, your uh, method of picking up chicks may be a little weird. So, uh, yeah, he does some weird things here to try to get the female approach. Yeah, he's got some bravado and some machismo and he does uh, what he can with his panther friend. The next reason, it's got to be the bat creatures. Bat creatures are incredible. He goes to what might be the Arook Valley mentioned in the previous quote and uh, there's a tree that's got these hanging, glowing egg sacks in it. That that whole part, all you horror fans out there need to check this out because if you're a Fulci fan, this thing looks like it could have been pulled straight out of a Fulci film, man. It, it's the, the lighting and the angle, the way it's shot, could easily be like a background that at the end of the beyond, the way that kind of looks. For some reason, this this looks like that. These creatures are absolutely awesome. And the fact that they will take a person and wrap their arms around them, which they've got these long bat wing looking things and you said it earlier they kind of look like Rodan's wings yeah and they wrap around a person like a Venus flytrap and they dissolve this person down to nothing but just bone so their bones just fall on the ground and it's just a matter of a few, few seconds these things are creepy they're cool they're nightmarish right and and they're like nothing you'll see in another fantasy movie you know I think that it, it it's mentionable that you wouldn't see anything like them in it unless there were some kind of monster to be overcome. And these guys show up as just kind of an enigma. You know, they do dissolve a person in front of Dar, but because uh, the Beastmaster has an eagle as a pet and they have this eagle idol, they leave him alone. And not only that, but they give him a token, uh, which is used later to summon them for right. assistance. Yeah. <clears throat> so I'm the next thing I've got is Rip Torn uh, is, is a... Mayax, the the high priest Mayax, sacrificing kids. <laughs> the Beastmaster returns to his village that he was taken from because he was prophesied to kill uh, Mayax. And what's he doing? He's got this fire in the middle of the Aztec pyramid, and and he's he's got a kid over his head with an arm in one hand, a leg in the other, and he's just choking him in the fire. Chucks him in a fire. <laughs> That's that's what he does all day long. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a challenge to just get up this temple that they built anyways, because these steps are just terrible. They're they're so steep. Yeah, they're like three feet tall and, and eight so inches wide. Narrow. I mean, you got to turn your foot sideways just to step up on the things. So by the time you get up there, man, <laughs> you got to do something productive. So why not? Let's chunk a few kids in the fire. And, you know, is one kid enough for him? Right? Absolutely not. No. He's just getting warmed up. So he gets another kid uh, out of the crowd, and, and you know his parents are begging. He gets gets her up there, throws her in the fire. It doesn't throw her as well. She's she's trying to claw her way out. And what does he do? He starts poking at her with a big skull staff. Like get down there! Yeah, you're not coming back out. No. So uh. so uh, the beastmaster saves her w- with his eagle friend, uh, who who carries the kid in a in a pretty bad special effect but it's still awesome it saves the kid yeah you gotta stop you gotta stop do the fast forward to to see the scene of him not only throwing the kids in but the one that gets saved and the eagle taken across so you gotta you gotta see this man it's it's so bad it 
you'll chuckle when you see it, but in a good way. Yeah. Well, the whole thing's like that. You know, some of the effects aren't up to par, but again, some of the things about it are so unique and interesting that it's, it's totally enjoyable. And of course, Mayax, you know, after the, the child is, is saved by the Eagle, he stands there for a minute and trying to register what just happened. He says, you see, R wants your children. And you know, he, he totally twists it into you know making sure they still keep sacrificing their kids. What's another reason to watch this movie? I said it before. Tanya Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really what and I the Beastmaster thinks so too. Yeah. He, he even uh, to the point to where he saves the the second little girl and gets it back to the parents, and they're like thankful and they're feeding him and taking care of him. He's like, "Is there anything yeah. I can help you with?" He goes, "I'm looking for this girl, right?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then this guy goes in this big story. This guy goes in a big story about how bad the land has been treated and how bad the king is and how things have gone downhill. And Beastmaster basically looks anyway, at him and goes, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not really worried about that. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for, for Tanya Roberts. And, uh, you know, right? hey, he's a guy. He's got a one-track mind. And what's another reason to see the movie? Well, they have to get the girl. And so he hooks up with this pilgrim and his, uh, and his sidekick, and they go to this ferry with a dock. And they meet the uh, the traveling party that have uh, that have the slaves for the sacrifice, and they beat them up. Right, like like you would do. That's just what you do. That's what, when you're the beastmaster and you got some pilgrim yeah. friends, and everybody's swinging their quarterstaffs around in unison like ZZ Top. Yeah, Bre- breaking off their robes and stripping down to, <laughs> to their loincloths or whatever the guys wearing. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're. Um, they're letting it all out, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the, the the moat scene here or the raft scene has a few issues, but uh, we're not going to dwell on that. It's It still works because there's a point of why they do some of the things they do. Sure. But it doesn't make a lot of sense. But so what? It's Beastmaster. Beastmaster. <laughs> so, you know, I've got Seth in a loincloth here. Yeah. And he's, Seth is the pilgrim who used to be the advisor of the king, King Zed. But we're in the fast track now. So moving on. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Not that Zed. It's a different Zed. Helming. So there's the, uh, I, I've got, there's a hilarious scene. They, they break into the temple to save the king. And there's a hilarious scene where the ferrets have to steal these, these keys from a guy who is making a death guard by putting a leech in this guy's ear who is, uh, who's tied down. And that's pretty creepy. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that actually as a kid was one of the things that I would walk out of the room when it was happening. Sure. And even as an adult, when you watch it now, you still kind of want to walk out of the room just yeah. because of how they're dressed. <laughs> but the, when the ferrets steal the, the key, it's like, there's a, there's a zoom in on the, the guard's face and there's a zoom in on the, the death guard's face. And there's a zoom in on the ferrets. And it's just a hilarious little roundabout yep. that, uh, you know, makes the whole thing laughable. So these death guards are like being, uh, treated to become a death guard. So they drop basically a slug in their ear, kind of like a uh, Rathacon in Star Trek. And, Rathacon. Uh, Rathacon. 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 Hail me. But uh, they're dropping these things in these guys' ears and making them just uh, total lunatics and they kill anything in the path. And the first thing <laughs> that this thing wants to kill is the ferrets. So another reason to watch this movie, Kodo and Poto, the ferrets. That's right. The ferrets are the cunning of the Beastmaster. And uh, they steal stuff. They, you know, they steal, steal stuff. stuff. <laughs> well, they, they even attack a few a few people, though. Sure, they, sure. You know, they, they do some damage. Right. Um, 
Koto and Poto, good reason to watch the movie. And you can't deny the fact too the other animals involved. You got a, a golden eagle, and you've got a painted uh, wannabe panther. Yeah, tiger. He's, he's a tiger painted like a panther. Yeah. whose name is Rar. Like, you're my friends, Koto and Poto and Ra and Ra. Yeah, that's four. Wow. I did that. That was my voice. That's pretty awesome. Hail Ming. So uh, the, the next thing I've got is the the uh, the witch showing up to throw ninja glass in, oh, yeah. uh, in, in the Beastmaster's eyes and then crawling the wall in a creepy uh, horror movie kind of way to get up on the ceiling so that she can jump down on him. And it's just, you know, she's, she's, she's creeping her body up and he's blind, swinging around. And then he, he manages to figure out where she is, stabs her on the ceiling and twists the blade right in her Right. Back. So this is one of those scenes that you'll watch it and you'll go, what? Because at this point, the crawling up the walls like this hasn't been done before. Yeah, it's, it's cool looking too. It, yeah. It's a great looking yeah. scene. And, and uh, this is the first. I mean, we've seen it time and time again now. So there's about 20 movies that I can name off that have that kind of scene. But this is the first one I ever saw it in. And it's always stood out to me. And just the fact that he stabs her overhead, he can't see, he's blinded. And he twists the blade in her, and she falls to her laughing death again. Uh, it's just a cool scene. Yeah, and they're and they're stealing their way through this temple um, so that they can get the Zed. And they've got uh, Tanya Roberts with them, who is a slave girl, but she has some ro- some royal leanings because she knows the palace and the temple, and uh, the temple itself yeah. looks awesome. Yeah, the, 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 the a lot of the scenery in this movie is really really well done. And we brought that up and we were just kind of checking out. I was like, you know, this stuff really looks good. Yeah, it doesn't look dated, really. And and, and there's a, a giant boulder that's covering some, uh, like an escape route down some stairs. And, and there are secret passages and, and temple altars and stuff. And it all just looks great. Yeah, the boulder is actually carved out to look like a skull. And uh, not too much like a skull, but you can tell it's a boulder, and it's supposed to be a skull. Yeah. So it's not like they put a whole bunch of work into it, but it, it really looks cool. The Temple of R. The Temple of R. The next thing I got, thing to watch for, the eyeball ring. The eyeball ring, which is used as a, a spying device. Uh, the Riptorn and his, his oraculum, you know, they need something in, from which to watch their enemies, and... Uh, one of their guards has this ring. Koto and Poto steal it. Somebody who's, who's rolling with them puts on the ring. And then from then on, they kind of know what the Beastmaster and his companions are up to because this ring, it's like a silver frame, opens up and this eye looks around. Yep. And it looks really creepy. Yeah, it looks like a real eye that they probably just superimposed and put it in there. And it looks around and everything it sees they're able to see back at headquarters and they've got, uh, you know, their TV hooked up. It's basically just a big pot of water or a bird bath or something. And, uh, they're checking all this stuff out and it's in pretty high def. Yeah. Yeah. It, it looks good. And the, the eye can look around and, you know, it's, it's good. It's good to mention that it's a fantasy movie. It could have just been a blue globe right. and then they could have shown that they saw something through it and that would have been enough. But the effect really makes it something that stands out. For years and years. You think about it as a kid and you're like, oh man, I remember that eye looking around. That right. was so weird. It's creepy. Yeah. It's creepy. And the fact of when they, they do the scene where they, uh, remember the one where the, one of the monk 
killer assassins or whatever does his hand up and he's got the ring on and it comes up through the water and like they can see the hand right there yeah yeah he gets killed and that and the hand comes up through the thing yeah yeah it's kind of hologramish but but it actually looks like his real hand coming through there it's a cool scene and then also there's a scene where they actually figure out that this eyeball and this ring is checking them out and one of our side heroes decides to jab a stick in the eye a, a f- flaming stick out yeah, of the fire out yeah. of the fire and, and you know uh that's a powerful scene, man, because it affects headquarters again, where they're seeing all this stuff happen. And I think even one of the witches freaks out, or something. And even when you, whenever you see a sharp stick go to an eye, it's it's <laughs> it's already unsettling, right? So uh, the next thing I've got, it's a, it's a moment of unintended comedy relief. There's a guard who's covering the portcullis and the drawbridge for the the keep, and uh, they send the ferrets up there to chew through the rope, and uh, one of them's up on the rope. And uh, the, the guard's like, oh, what's this thing doing here? He walks over to it, and he starts sizing it up like he's going to have it for dinner. And he's kind of measuring where he's going to put this order. And, and again, this isn't done tongue-in-cheek. This is just the scene. Right. And and even though the, the ferret's just still there chewing on the rope, he, he's not really hurried up. He's just kind of leisurely <laughs> figuring out where he wants to chop up this this ferret. And there's several in throughout this movie that have those. You know, there's a scene where they're doing some farming back where – uh, Dar is raised, and there's nothing to farm there. It's just it's dirt, dirt and rock farms, <laughs> dirt and rocks. And you got a couple of guys back there that's supposed to be moving some hay around. And it's basically like if you give a three year old a rake and say, "Hey, go move that pile of hay," and they're just like, <laughs> you know, you can tell they're just extras in the movie that really didn't have anything to do. And they say, "We need some people back there. Y'all go stand back there and move some hay around." So there's a lot of little things like that that are. That are comical that I don't know if it was even intended or not, but look for those things when you're zipping through this stuff. But they were they were happy dirt rock and hay farmers. Well, yeah, they were super happy. Um, so the next thing I've got, well, yeah, just to, to rush through the uh, the plot a little bit, you know, the they get back to the thing they 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 beat the priest, mm-hmm. they throw him in the fire. Well, one of the ferrets dies throwing him in the fire. Yeah. Yeah, so you know they they beat him, but guess what? The Jun hordes are coming, so they've got to cover up the moat. They've got the whole tire and oil thing, you know, just like in a the Road Warrior kind of the the gangs outside. Yeah, that's another thing. Another reason to watch this movie when you get towards the end, the big fight scene where you've got uh, the big rush of the bad guys coming in. The Bat Dude, man, this this main leader of this group is just got big bat wings on the side of his helmet. Very cool looking. So creepy dude riding on a horse has a big scepter that he carries around. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like the uh, scepter from last starfighter that Zur has where it's yeah. got the blades that pop out. Yeah. They, um, they've managed to, to, to cover up the, the tar oil moat and the, the guys ride into it. And then they have some trouble lighting it because they hadn't thought that far ahead, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, while it's all on fire and a few of them have gotten through and our heroes are on the outside of the gate fighting, well, the Beastmaster faces off against the Batwing helmet guy who also killed his father. Yeah. 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 So there's there's a lot of great fighting in this, a lot of good action. You're, you're kind of wrapping up things because you're getting towards the end of the movie or whatever. But this is very, very solid when you look at this and uh, just just good action at this point. 
Yeah, and you know the weapon that that the Batwing guy has, like he said, it, it's it's like a scepter, and then it's like a mace, and then it's got like a chain, and it he fights it, changing this whole time. And well, it, it, and it comes down mm-hmm. to the Beastmaster and the bat-headed dude fighting. Yeah, and after that battle is done, they back up and realize they're still. Yeah, there's still like 50 dudes yeah, 50, out there. 50, 60 of these other guys that are wanting to just come in and beat them up. And they're down to like three people. So they're pretty much saying, well, it's been nice fighting with you. But wait, See there's you on the something other side. that That's right. came in earlier. And earlier on, the, the little... Uh, the bat monsters. The bat monsters gave the uh, the token to the Beastmaster. And the eagle takes off flying. And I guess it was basically to call them to come and pull them out of peril. Yeah. Yeah, and so the the batwing creatures show up, uh, and they just start digesting all the bad guys, left and right. Man, just piles of bones being stacked up, D- just like inner space. There, Andy, <laughs> you digested the bad guy. Hail me. So yeah, man, uh, it's got a lot of good stuff. Uh, of course, at the end of the day, you know, Beastmasters got his woman. Yeah, Beastmasters solid movie. You know, there's there's a heir apparent who got shot in the chest, and he just won't be able to use his left hand for a while. Uh, is what they say. I don't know how that all <laughs> corresponds, but um, you know, then then Dar's back on the move. That's right. Time to move on. So you want to do a quick recap? Things to look for. Look for hot witches and their assassination attempts. Yes. Uh, climbing walls, uh, jumping into fires, uh, taking babies out of women's bellies and putting them in yak bellies. That's an art all to itself. Yeah, awesome stuff. Um, look for the dog, the yep. dog that that is in the village with uh, the beastmaster. You know, because first of all, it, it drags him out of the the village, but secondly, after it it dies, it's it's awesome. I mean, it, it's just a dead dog, and it might not seem like that's that's noteworthy, but man, it really makes that that scene. And because he's carrying this dog over to all the villagers, and somehow that brings it all home that everything he's known it's, is gone. It's the best dog performance that I've seen since Cher in Moonstruck. Yeah, and and she's you know Sarah Jessica Parker too, but she's more like the Helming. Um, look for whatever you know, any kid that you know you know gets a sword for the first time and run down the the creek bed swinging the sword side to side. Yeah, that's what the Beastmaster does. Yeah, that's not a good idea. And uh, you look for the uh, Tanya Roberts scene, the the waterfall bathing scene. uh, It's it's cold. It's cold out there. I think you know what I mean. It's cold out there. Tanya Roberts. Right then, you look for the the tree with the glowing pods, the bat people. That whole scene, so unusual, something you won't see anywhere else. Very unique. Looks really like a cool. Fulci film. Looks like a Lucio Fulci film. I'll say it till my grave. Really cool. Rip torn. Yeah. Rip torn scene stealer. This movie doesn't happen without Rip torn. Kid mur- kid murderer. I mean, this whole scene where he's sacrificing kids in front of everybody. Man, he is so bad. <laughs> He's awesome. You got the the death guards too. You know, I I don't know that I have them, but look for them. That whole scene, they're crazy. They look like something out of an Australian movie. Um, <laughs> so you know, you got 
the 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 fight scene at the ferry where they 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 where they succeed in in uh, rescuing the slave girls who are on their way to sacrifice. Right. Uh, again, I mentioned the the witches. You know, all this the times they're on the screen, they do really crazy, awesome stuff. They look really creepy. Yep. There's one where you know that where she's climbing the the wall. That's a recap moment there. Then I've got uh, the leisurely guard. You know, thinking about his dinner of of weasel tonight, and uh, and then I've got the 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 Jun horde leader and his uh, changing weapon with the fight with the beastmaster. Yeah. Uh, again, I could mention the bats again. The bat creatures. They're they're definitely worth watching. Watch yep. them at the end too. It's a crazy scene. Yep. All the big battle at the end. Fantastic. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, seen it many, many times, and uh, I'm glad to include it in, in this uh, group of movies that we're kind of talking about. So, it's just another one that uh, I just have a genuine love for. Uh, lots of fun, and and the animals in it. It's cool. He's got his eyes, his strength, his cunning, uh, being the beastmaster, and not only that, but you know, Mark Singer is fantastic. I grew up watching a whole lot of his movies and shows. And it's it's cool to see him again. Right. So, uh, fantastic. So, let's give it a rating. I'm going to give it nine Bat Helmet Dudes. Nine Bat Helmet Dudes. And I will give it nine babies getting thrown into the, uh, the pyramid fire. And uh, Brian Blessed, as always, what do you think about it? Give me the remote control. Uh, oh, that's, that's, that's not good. No, no. He's, he's a little bit bored there, sounded like. Yeah, I think he couldn't figure out who uh, the Beastmaster's dad was. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and he wanted to be Rip Torn, so. Well, he can't have it. Yeah. I like, I love Brian Blessed. I love him. But Rip Torn, he nailed it. Rip Torn. I mean, who else can wear a fake nose like that? Nobody. That's who. <laughs> we'll be right back. People, you need to know the ways of R. You ask yourselves, how do I serve R? What do I give R? How do I sate R's bloodlust? Good news. There are three steps, and I, Mayax, will give them to you now. One, have babies. Two, bring them to me, Mayax, the high priest of the Jun Horde, here at the Temple Pyramid. Three, watch me throw them into the pit of fire. It's as simple as that, people. Want to be a death guard? Inquire with an acolyte. Remember, R wants your children. The previous message was paid for by the Jun Horde LLC and does not reflect the beliefs or opinions of the Hail Ming Power Hour. Hail Ming. All right, we're back with our second movie. Came out the same year, 1982. Is that correct? 1982. All right, so a lot of this stuff was going on coming off the heels of Conan. What's weird is when you look at... Uh, the information on uh, IMBD, it actually outgrossed Beastmaster. So that's kind of a shocking surprise. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty fun movie. Uh, it's got some lag in it, but the stuff that stands out in it is awesome. So uh, we're talking about 1982's The Sword and the Sorcerer. And uh, in order to give us a uh, synopsis of that, synopsis of this or that, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, <laughs> a little bit of synopsis. A little bit of synopsis. Here's crappy Arnold Schwarzenegger. The Sula and the Sorcerer, a 1982 movie. We are 99 minutes long. Action, adventure, a fantasy. A mercenary with a three-bladed sword 
rediscovers his royal heritage's dangerous future when he is recruited to have a princess foil the designs of a brutal tyrant and a powerful sorcerer in conquering a land. The 5.7 out of 10. It's got the famous actor Earl Maynard as Morgan, not Morgan Freeman though. It's won one award and nominated five times. That's one plus five, that's six. The best quote of the movie is, I will allow you to live as long as you serve me. Betray me, and I will joyfully send you back to rotten love. <laughs> I love that one, man. I Thank you, that. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. He's sounding a little younger. Yeah, well, you know, he's he's been a governor for a while, and I think uh, it's taken years off his life. Helming. <laughs> so, Sword and the Sorcerer. The, the opening of it is incredible. Like I said, it's got some lag in it. We were talking earlier when we were checking it out. Realistically, and I'm not trying to shun any fans of this movie because I love this movie too, but you really could take about a, an hour out of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the plot doesn't get furthered by a lot of little things in it. And then there are parts that seem like they expedited what's going to happen. And with yeah. really no explanation. It's like, oh, and then they're okay. They're all here. It, and it, it's just uh, the pacing of the movie is weird. Yeah. And I think that what you need to enjoy this movie is us. We'll tell you exactly what to look for and hopefully what you can ignore so that you can cut out that hour and, and still enjoy the film. Yeah. And I'm not saying not check out the rest of the movie either. I mean, it's, uh, it is a good film. It just kind of lags. It's almost like the movie can't decide what it wants to be at times. So, uh. Uh, that's just something we kind of felt about the movie. I, I remember this movie from years ago, so uh, we'll jump right into it. Why should you watch this movie? The opening, man. The opening of this movie is incredible. If if the rest of the movie had been anything like the opening of this movie, it'd been just nonstop hitting you over the head. Well, and I think with the the introduction of the movie, you know, it starts with with a, a narrative, and then it ends with a the lightning crash, and then they're they're in this cave resurrecting this villain. And yeah, it's it's like you said, it's like it didn't know what it was going to be. Is it going to be horror? Is it going to be comedy? Is it going to be a swashbuckling adventure? Uh, it, it had elements of all of those, but not in a way that made them mesh. Yeah. The opening of this movie could fit into really any kind of horror movie as far as a kickoff where you're resurrecting some source of evil. And uh, another reason to watch this movie, right, right below, I guess wherever he is buried, there's a wall of faces and they bring this sorceress in. She starts bringing, starts doing this chant or ceremonial deal, and all the faces come to life. And uh, you start seeing them become flesh, and they're screaming. And uh, it's it's pretty well done. You can tell the faces aren't real, but it's still pretty horrific looking. It looks as good as anything back then it, that would be a wall of faces. Yeah, it's a great effect, and and it and it helps to set up the whole you know horrific nature of this altar where this guy's being resurrected you don't know going into this uh, what they're doing there but you know they resurrect this this ancient evil sorcerer and when they do you know he, he's he's on board to help the uh, the evil king out right so he asked him about his powers how do i know that you're powerful so a big reason to watch this movie testing the toad is what i called it because the guy looks kind of like a toad yeah Okay, so you watch Mortal Kombat, you watch uh, the second Indiana Jones. Anybody can just tear somebody's heart out of their chest. Anybody can. I could do it. I could do it right now. Yeah. But you know what? It takes some some work. 
standing across the room and having somebody's heart shoot out of their chest into your hand. Right. And that's what this guy does. Yeah. His name is Zusha, and he's an ancient evil sorcerer, and, and he he pulls the heart out of the sorceress who brought him back to life's chest. Pretty powerful dude. But but it's kind of weird because it's like he's been in slumber for all these years, who knows how long. He gets pulled out whenever somebody needs some evil doings done. And uh, it's weird because he comes out and he's all powerful and can make these things happen. But you see him kind of walk around and he seems kind of feeble. Yeah, and that's one of the, the, uh, the things that I want to point out. And I'll just uh, make these as we go. There are lots of double crosses in the movie. Um, yeah. There are several of them and I, I noted them. And the first double cross that really comes light, this king's using uh, Zusha to, to win his battles because he can't beat King Richard yep. of the Great Beard. And uh, <laughs> it, he said he says to his second in command, he's like, Zusha's really helped us, but if he gets up to full strength, yeah, we won't be able to stop him. So, hey, Zusha, come on over come here. Over and when here. he comes over, he's got the knife behind his back, you know, like your like your kid crosses her fingers. And and uh, when he gets up close, he just stabs him. And and Zusha, you know, takes the knife and and flounders around a little bit and then jumps off a cliff. Right. So that's that's what you do when you're that full of evil. Hey, yeah, you jump off that cliff because cliff diving. If man. they see you die, they know you're dead. If you jump off a cliff, hey, who yeah, knows? that's right. So, and you just mentioned the other reason why this movie. Just check out King Richard's beard, man. Yeah. I mean, we've seen a lot of movies, and we got some flack over Crawl because we didn't say anything about uh, dude's beard in that one. We talked about his pants. We didn't talk about his beard. Hey, but this beard and this one, I, I'm telling you, I don't, I don't know if you can beat this beard. He had the king beard. Yeah, you know, Cassidorius Rex from uh, right. from from Dragon Slayer also had this beard. It's like the it's the precursor to the neck beard. Yeah, it, it's just kind of like a chin beard, and it rolls under. You know, him and Cassidorius look a lot alike. They do. That was the kingly look. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. got look. Helming. Helming. So the next thing to look for, in my opinion, well, again, there are lots of things to look for, but what you don't want is you don't want to get bogged down at the plot at this point. You know, so there's a King Richard has a, a wife and a son. They're brutally killed, right? Now, now, don't let this set the tone for the movie because even though they're brutally killed and there's this really scary sorcerer who's also double-crossed and killed, they still want to make you laugh. So they're still throwing all these little humorous quips in like right after this so the kid gets shot in the hand and has to pull his hand off and, and leave this huge scar oh, after using his uh, ceremonial you know sword that he gets that shoots blades at people yeah he man. kills two people pulls his hand off from where he's been pinned to a tree by an arrow and runs off and you don't see him again until he's grown up yeah but the the another um, really let's let's face it the real reason this movie has any traction at all is because of the three bladed sword yeah the three bladed sword that shoots its blades at people you've never seen anything like this yeah anywhere else it's ridiculous looking yeah it it is and you know that it can't be a useful weapon really no, as far as no. actually having to use it and it must have some kind of you know pressurized thing that shoots the blades off but you know there's also a sorcerer that got resurrected so sure who knows. Yeah. It might be a magical pressure. And the fact that when you shoot these blades, they're so powerful that, you know, they shoot, he shoots the one guy in the head and like only the butt end of that blade didn't come through. It went like oh, yeah. totally through the guy's head. So it's got some cool things in there. Again, you haven't seen anything like it. Yeah. After that point, I mean, well, again, the three bladed sword. Now let's use that as an example of, of what you should and shouldn't look for. Don't look for it again because it's not going to yeah. come around. 
until the end of the movie. Yeah. Which, so, so it's cool, and it's gone, and then it comes back again later. So it's even on the poster of the movie as like the big thing that you take away of this. I mean, I remember as a kid, that's what I talked about. I talked about uh, Zusa, and I talked about the sword. And from this point, for the next hour and 15 minutes, you never see the sword again. Nope. And there's no explanation of why you do see the sword again later on. It just happens. Somebody, One dude just happens to have it. Yeah, somebody gives it back to and him. And gives it to him. It's like, why didn't you carry it the whole time? And, and again, like I'm helping you to enjoy this because I was looking for this and, and trying to get some explanation. Don't look for explanation. What you need to know now is that he was a kid. He got shot in the hand. He got away. The guy who was going to kill him is an evil, you know, power-hungry king. And he's he doesn't even really think the kid's going to ever show back up again. Right. What happens? But the next time you see the kid, he's grown up. He's wearing a cool fur mantle. And he's a barbarian warlord who's got a, a group of people who are helping kings to recapture their land from this guy. And he's got like the most carefree attitude, too, as far as somebody in this kind of position. Because he's just like, hey, yeah. what's happening? Hey, let's go beat some people up. All right. His second in command's like... Well, Prince Micah's in trouble, and he might not have a land to save if we don't get there soon. And, and he's like, hey, yeah, man, right. chill out, man. I'm too busy eating a celery stick. Yeah, yeah, he's <laughs> like the chopper. Uh, but seriously, they, they get on into a town where, where Prince Micah is trying to... He's trying to rebel against King Cromwell, who has... Who's played by Richard Lynch. I, yeah. have, I mean, he, he's perfect for the role. He's, he's a iconic bad guy, everything he's been in. He's kind of like... Yeah, I was telling Danny this earlier. I used to get him and Rudger Hauer kind of confused because they kind of look a lot alike, and they played the same kind of roles. He's got like a like a rat face kind of with that with that long slender nose, right? But right. yeah, to be sure, he does a great job, and he yeah. is he is a really hateable character. And so you know, the, you have this kid that you followed a long time ago. The only thing you really knew about him was that he was the son of a king and queen who were killed, uh, and that he had this three bladed sword. Well, guess what? He's not a kid anymore. He doesn't have a three-bladed sword anymore. He doesn't seem to take it very seriously that the guy who killed his, his dad is in charge of stuff, except he goes around and as a as a, a sellsword, he helps these, these kings to regain their territories. That's really the big thing that ties these two movies together that we're talking about. I mean, there's some, some other things that are identical, but the story's about... <laughs> The story's about, uh, you know, a couple of guys that should be royalty, but they're not. And they're not even really concerned about fighting their way back to that position. They're just trying to make their way. And that's the the case with uh, Talon, who's the main character of this, where they're trying to kind of turn him into a Sinbad-type character. And Talon, who's also known by, as my wife would call him, Lee Horsley. So my wife's a big Lee Horsley fan. All right. Well, he's a he's a good looking dude. Yeah, and he does a good job with the with the whole barbarian the the carefree barbarian thing. And again, the movie gets dark again, where Cromwell shows up and tells Prince Micah and his sister, who's the love interest of the the movie. Cromwell busts in on them, kicks the door down. Doors get either kicked down or busted apart in this movie. Right. And they get kicked down. They they take out the 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 budding revolution mm-hmm. and his. His sister takes off, you know, the, the princess, uh, Lana, and she runs down the, the, the alley, and one of those uh, swords working for Cromwell tries to rape her. Right. And while that's going on, who should show up? But Talon. Talon, yep, and he's eating like a leg of lamb or something, just carrying the whole thing. Nonchalantly just walks in and is like, hey, look what's going on here. 
Yeah, yeah. And again, it's it's this whole dichotomy of something really brutal just happened. You know, she's about to get raped, and this main character is is still trying to make it kind of a funny thing. You yeah. Know, he's so so again, it's kind of off putting, but he comes in, he saves her, and then he's like, "Hey, you know, you're about to get raped, and it sounds like your your brother's been taken by uh, Cromwell. Uh, why don't you uh, give me a night in the sack?" Yeah. And because that's the kind of guy he that's is. Fair trade back then. Right. So she says, well, if you save my brother, then we'll 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 talk, you know, and you can do that. Um, yep. And right after that, what happens? The soldiers bust in again and they yep. beat up the old dude who didn't like uh, Talon and they steal the princess and take her to yep. Cromwell. Yep. Again, the, the, the plot isn't so much linear. It's just, hey, who needs to be somewhere? Okay, we'll have someone show up and carry them to this new set so that we can do this next scene. Right. And then you come out of that, and uh, the I still like the bar scene. There's a bar scene in this that you should check out for about 20 seconds because there's a drunk dude there that's just awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's really just – I don't even know why it's really, really in there. But for some reason, you watch it and just go, that dude's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's another one of those things where you could cut an hour out of this movie because when they want somebody to be in the palace or in the dungeon – or in a seedy place uh, planning a revolution, or the revolution is dead, or the revolution is still alive, or there's a bunch of soldiers who could fight Cromwell, they just put them there. They say, oh, here's a bunch of soldiers that could fight Cromwell. They just so happen to be right around the corner. So, again, not the best planned movie, but they were trying to make it fun and dangerous at the same time. Right. Another reason to watch this movie, glittering breastplates. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a very fancy... Uh, Captain the Guard, who's uh, trying to get his men to shoot flaming arrows at a bunch of guys who are doused in oil. Self-lighting bows, too. Yeah, they have little little dragon heads on them that, that, that spark. Yeah, it's kind of like they got a little Zippo attached to them. They pop it, flame comes out, sets the arrow on fire. Instant, just shoot. Uh, so, so you know, Talon happens to be hanging out in the bushes because, you know... <laughs> That's he, what he does. He's come, he's come over here to, to save her brother, and he just so happens to know that these re- rebels are hanging out here, too. And he dumps a bunch of oil at the feet of the archers and then lights them on fire first. Yep. So it's just like what we saw in Beastmaster, where you just pour a bunch of stuff out, set the bad guys on fire. Yep, yep. Works out pretty good. So, so yeah, it's 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 a fun thing. I'm not sure how everybody got where they are. Maybe I missed something, but it really did seem like all of a sudden they're there and he burns them all up. And this is kind of the point to where it starts going downhill, kind of. It or yeah. doesn't go downhill. It just well, kind of stagnates. Here's what I'm going to tell you now, too. The rest of the movie is going to take place inside the castle. In the dungeon. It, there's a, there's one entry to the, the castle to go save everybody. And then the rest of the action all takes place there. And then the movie's over. You've got like four or five trips back into the castle to the dungeon. And uh, you go you go to the dungeon five or six times. It's like, welcome to the dungeon. Yeah. And, and um, side note, we're going to move on through this. But uh, Zusha isn't dead. He He's come back and he wants revenge on Cromwell for b- betraying him. And you don't know where Zusha is going to show up. But you have some very cleverly placed dialogue where somebody says well zusha could be anyone well the thing too is the scene where they show zusha sitting on his throne and it's i mean it's i think that's done pretty well yeah oh yeah he's a cool bad guy which is kind of why i hate the fact that he's in the movie about as much as the three-bladed sword yeah he's not in it a lot because you're kind of stuck on this mystery of like like they just said it could be anybody right so uh 
But you know, there's a real cool scene where he's down in his lair or whatever you want to call it. It's very reminiscent of darkness and legend. Got some good visuals going on right there. And uh, I just, I like that part. And I think the bad guy really is, is what makes a lot of what this movie happens. Oh, I, I agree. And I, I think he's a cool bad guy. That's why I wish I had seen him a little more. Right. Um, yeah, moving on again. So you're watching this movie. You see that they're going into the, the castle. You can check out for a while. They go through the tunnels. Some people get tired. They get attacked by rats. They show up in the dungeon. Uh, somehow, Talon is okay and down the hall fighting one guy, and the rest of his people get captured. <laughs> All yeah. the rebels that he just saved from the archers, they get captured. Yeah, and then you you, you get a just a weird mishmash of back and forth through, again, going back and forth through the dungeon, going to a brothel. I mean, it's just, it's just kind of this pointless right. stuff because... He has to find more people to help him get his other people out. So he finds these people that are in. Actually, it's some of his it's, it's other his, people. It's his second in command. Yeah. Who finds is the that the brothel? Other, Captain Morgan. Yeah, the guy named Captain Morgan. And we, we just jumped through a lot of the the movie, but so can you. Yeah. Okay. So just realize that the prince is in and out of the dungeon. Talon's in and out of the dungeon. All the rebellious soldiers are in and out of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Some more soldiers come in and say, "By the way, Talon's in the dungeon." Oh, we better go save him. We, we don't have enough men. Some other guy comes out. Hey, I was just over here in this uh, in this cubicle with this this prostitute, and I've got twenty men that can help you. If there are so many people that are ready to fight and die, I'm not sure why Cromwell still has. You yeah, know, the, but yeah, he's not really in charge of much of anything. Uh, again, I'm saving you the trouble. All right. The the plot. It's like they took all these plot points and they kind of shook them up and they set them back down and they said, yeah, that's close enough. And you got a lot of swashbuckling action in this too, which really just—it's it, confusing because is it sword and sorcery where he's battling and it's yeah, all do 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 kind of stuff? It's, it's very reminiscent of, uh, of of Clash of the Titans music. Sure. Yeah. Um. So so I told you double cross number one. You know, Cromwell double cross number two. Uh, Prince Micah is trying to rebel against them, and and his advisor also happens to be the advisor of Cromwell. And that's why Cromwell's men bust in and get him. Double cross number three, there's a character that's introduced just to double cross the king. <laughs> she She's the concubine of, of uh, Cromwell. Right. And she says, oh, I'm here to get you some food and get you all worked up. And then as soon as Cromwell's like, oh, I got to go, baby, and take care of something. Well, she goes over and cuts Prince Micah down so he can get away. Because guess what? Prince Micah doesn't need to be in the dungeon anymore. So he had to get others. So, right. so double cross number three happens. Uh, Elizabeth is introduced and named, uh, but you know. Then after that, there is the next good reason to watch the movie. After uh, that, Talon's in the castle. There's a big raucous chase through the castle that has women getting oil massages. Yeah, the oil and, massage. Yep. And and harems hanging out in on satin pillows. Who who of course catch the guy who's chasing uh, the hot talent and they, they beat him with their, their fists. And it's another thing that was taken from the Conan movie, the first one, because there's a scene identical where he comes through there and there's all these ladies laying around kind of naked around a poolside kind of thing or a bath kind of scene. And this is just another one of those. I don't mind. No, no. Like I said, it's a reason to watch it because it's fun too. Like it's not only that, but there's, there's comedic, like he, he ends up dueling with the King and, and the king breaks his sword because he's not using the three-bladed sword. He's using some yeah. some Saracen sword that some he's been using. Taiwan-made sword or something. Right. And and the king breaks his sword, and he says, wait, he's mine, to the soldiers of the king who are coming in to kill him with an axe. And 
when he turns to face the sword, you know, he, he straight up pulls the, I'm going to get out of here. And he runs up the stairs and knocks the, the, the soldier out of the way. He's got kind of a Han Solo yep. roguishness. Duck and run. <laughs> it, but it's a fun sequence. And at the end of that sequence, he gets bopped on the head, I think. And then he's yeah. put in prison. And that's when his, uh, his second in command finds Captain, Captain Morgan, Morgan and his 20 men. And, and then they get uh, the the uh, the concubine Elizabeth, is the one that yeah. comes and talks to them and tells them that she can get them in there if they'll follow her. And they say, <laughs> all right, let's save him. Yeah, and then it's like the best dissolve in history. I've got that actually wrote down, the best dissolve in movie history because as soon as they say that, it shows the very next scene and they're all trapped in, <laughs> in the dungeon in a cell and they're like, we never should have followed her. <laughs> But, yeah, and again, it's just another example of the movie saying, you know, these guys don't need to be free. They need to be in the dungeon. And it seemed like they even felt like it might be running a little long because it didn't even show any kind of action. It just shows them, yes, let's fight. And the next scene is they're behind the bars. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and so so then the, uh, the the taskmaster of the dungeon comes out and he says, hey, you guys need to tell me who led you here or some inconsequential question. And he's got Elizabeth in his hands and he's cut her tongue out. Yeah. So, so again, right after the the oh, I'm going to run away from the king. Oh, look out! You know, and and, and all this this uh, goofy kind of oh, I never should have followed her. He cuts her tongue out, holds her in front of all of them. Then he says, "If you guys don't tell me, you know what I need to know, then I'm going to kill her." Yeah, and, and they they're showing bravado. They're like, "Oh, we're not going to tell you anything." Right. So he kills her. No, 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 no. She kills she kills herself. She basically. kills herself because he's got the knife out like this, and she's looking at all the guys, going, "Oh, don't say anything." She grabs his hand and stabs ah. herself. See, I, I missed that part, so oh. that's on me. That's all right. It, it still doesn't change the fact that she's dead. So they're trapped again, yeah. and the taskmaster is like, well, uh-oh, here goes my leverage, and he takes off. Around in here is kind of where you pick back up and start watching the movie again. I guess yeah. you can go back to the yeah. point of where they get captured, and from there is pretty decent. Because sure. at this point, they're setting up for the wedding between the king and the, the love interest. So it's just like every other movie where the guy wants to marry the, the, the fair maiden and all that stuff. So they're getting set up for the wedding, and they've captured Lee Horsley again, Talon, and they've taken him out front, and they've crucified him. They've got on this big X. They've got big nails through his hand, holding him on the boards, and he's, he's and he's like the centerpiece for this wedding. It's the weirdest thing because it's like, yeah, you can't do anything now because you're nailed to these boards. They've got a gag on his on his across his mouth to keep him quiet, and uh, then all of a sudden, because there's this big ceremony going on, there's all these you know representation of all the local people and stuff at this wedding all of a sudden there's these three hotties wearing hardly nothing coming downstairs and unlocking the cages to let all the the people out well, no, no explanation yeah guess what all those soldiers that were in the dungeon well they they need to be free now i, I don't even think i had that written down as one of the double crosses that some people yeah. that work at the castle just went and let everybody out yeah so it's just got some weird stuff like that i will say that cromwell's crown is awesome. Yeah, it's it's a killer. Crown. It's very killer looking. So it doesn't look as good when dude puts it on at the end. It looks kind of tinfoilish, right. but but it looks good on him. Yeah. Um, and I'll also say this: like Alana, she has this trick where you know these guys all want her, so uh, she'll get them and say, "Well, well yeah, I've always kind of wanted you too." And of course, they fall for it. Yep. And then she knees them in the groin. Yep. She kicks him in the Uncle Nutsy's playhouse. She does that like three times. Yeah. So there's the second in command guy that starts trying to lead the king through a lot of decision making and this stuff. He's at the point where he runs off. Lee Horsley, or Talon, actually starts pulling the nails away from the boards that he's crucified on. Yeah. Pulls the nails out with his hands, pulls the gag down because they're about to finish the deal as far say as getting married. She's going to say, I do. And she says, I. And he goes, Cromwell. 
And then everybody jumps up like, holy crap, he's breaking loose. So he pulls both of his hands out. Then you get all the people from the jail cells coming up. There's just a big fight going on, man. It's all over the place. And during this time, the second in command of the king takes off with his love interest and takes her down into like the basement or whatever. And lo and behold, he's the sorcerer. Yeah, he's Zusha. Without a doubt. If you don't watch anything else in this movie, there is a, I I don't want to call it a transformation. He starts breaking out of this guy's body and he grabs the top of his head and his head is splitting, and he and he pulls his head open so he can come out. It's almost like an eggshell, and you know, it's like cracked. I, I, I've watched that over and over and over, trying to figure out, you know, back in the day how they did that. I know how they did it, but it still looks great to me. It's a great effect. It looks great. That whole scene is is worth watching the movie without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, and. There are, there are gems in there. If, if you watch the parts we told you to, then you know it's, it's worth watching. But there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't add up and isn't worth doing, in my opinion. The sorcerer shows up at the end. And by the way, I've been pretending to be your advisor. You never trust your advisor. If, if Jafar <laughs> taught you anything, it's, he's always the first one. You know, and, and he says, oh, by the way, Cromwell, I'm here for you. And so he fights Cromwell, beats him down. Yeah. And then... Uh, Talon comes in and says, I want to fight Cromwell. And the sorcerer says, well, I'm going to kill him. And so yeah. Talon says, well, I got a problem with you. I then. got a problem with you. Now, now, at this point, Talon has been thrown his sword. Right. He's done a little, little bit of butt kicking with the three-bladed sword. Yeah. You know, there's a part in the in the fight after he's been crucified that I think epitomizes the, the whole thing where there are these two armies that are these, these two groups of people <laughs> who are running toward each other. And they're completely silhouetted so you can't see who they are. And then he jumps up in the middle with the three-bladed sword, and it's just like a shadow of all of them. Yeah, and it so could, it's like I don't know who's fighting who, but I know he's in the middle of it. it and could, that's really the movie. It could really be a like a movie poster shot, really. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty cool looking scene. And you know, he's got the three-bladed sword. He he runs you know through the. He leaves some guys to fight the guards because it didn't, doesn't matter where you go. There are both soldiers who are willing to fight Cromwell, and then Cromwell's people fighting everywhere. And nobody seems to be winning or losing. There is a cool slow-mo shot, too, of him swinging the three-bladed sword, and it cuts through like 15 other swords. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool shot. So we all get down into the basement. Cromwell's on the ground. Zusha says, well, I want to kill him. And Talon says, I want to kill him. So Talon starts fighting Zusha. The the girl's knocked out. She's on the ground. With a snake swimming toward her. Yeah, that's just crawling all over. Talon knocks out Zusha, stabs him. He falls off to the side. Then it becomes the battle that everybody's been waiting for between the king and Talon. Yeah. And it's a pretty good fight. And you get the same thing that we said about the uh, the guy that had the weapon in Beastmaster where he kept changing. You know, the, the, the it just kept changing. The weapon kept changing. Yeah. Well, I mean, just to, to put this in a nutshell. First, uh, if I remember correctly, Talon shoots Zusha with one of the blades. Yep. Then he th- he shoots the second blade to show the king that he's not going to use that trick on him. He's going to fight him straight right. up with a sword. Just a straight sword. Yep. Then they fight sword to sword for a while. And what what happens? But but uh, Cromwell breaks the last blade of the three-bladed sword. Right. But 
in the hilt of the three bladed sword is another sword, the short, a short sword. A little short, yeah, a little short. So he's fighting him with that. Well, guess what? In the scabbard of the sword that the king is using, there's a little blade that pops out. So he uses that for a while, and he's got a scepter that has a blade that, that pops out. And then they're fighting little dagger sword versus scepter sword, and the scepter sword gets put away, and he pulls out his other sword again, and they fight with that for a while, and the weapons just keep changing. Yeah, yeah. And it finally comes to the end of what you expect. The king's getting ready to to do him in. He's standing over him. He's got his blade up, and he's about to stab him. And then Talon's got this little thing on his wrist. That little blade pops out of, and he just rams it right up into his chest, yeah. killing the king. It's like the cestus that uh, that Conan uses, you know, right. the blade on the on the yeah. fist thing, and it just pops out yep. and kills him. So again, you've got this great opening, and you get this incredible ending. It's just the in between stuff that really hurts this movie, and and there's just not enough of stuff to tie in the beginning to the ending. And and you know I also have to point out that during this fight the snake that's that's riding towards I think that snake rapes the princess I don't know yeah, what's going on there yeah, there's, there's some weirdness yeah there's something going on there that could look uh, suggestive there so uh, I and I don't even not really anything to look for but you'll see it and you'll just kind of go wow that's uh, yeah it's kind of bizarre. I don't know what it is, and I'm not trying to, to be extra risque with the thing. I just I and don't know what's going on. Her her wedding dress, pretty pretty happening. Her wedding dress is it's kind of like if you had a wedding dress that was already pretty sheer, and you made sure it had no sides. Yeah, there it is. And then after all this is done, after all this fighting, it swings back into the the wedding hall, right? <laughs> and it looks like it's just been an all night party. You got you know scantily clad. Ladies laying everywhere and guys with holding up their mug like, "Hey, take my picture." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it really, it really is confusing because you know, obviously the the good guys have won because you don't see any evidence of Cromwell's men anymore. But what you do see is a whole bunch of guys who are just kind of low and like like they they look hurt, and there are a bunch of women who are kind of tending to them that don't look hurt. Right, and then. There's a bunch of feast stuff still on the tables, and some of them are drinking. And yeah, they're still partying. And I mean, it's just still Prince, <laughs> Prince Micah is hanging out on the throne, and you know, so what happens? But you know, Talon drops the crown down to Prince Micah, and, and everybody starts saying Talon, Talon, yeah. and you know, and, and then um, Prince Micah puts on the, the crown, and then uh, I guess uh, he's thankful. He's thankful you know, to Talon for doing all the work he did. Sure, and, and so. uh, Alana says, "Hey, I think I owe you a night," and he's there like, "Yeah," and and then what happens? He grabs the banner and swings out of the 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 uh, out of the feasting hall on a banner just, with the girl in arm, just like Arrow Flynn, man. I mean, like, just like like after all this horrible stuff, like whatever was going on with that snake, the the you know the the fact that he just killed the person who killed both his father and mother. He's like, hey, by the way, we're gonna whoa, and he swings away, and, and it's kind of like I, I don't even know. And then after that, he's had his night with the lady and everything. Do you think that they like live happily ever after? No, dudes out the next day with his buddies, and they're like, "I heard that so and so kingdom's in trouble," and it's got the best line of the movie right here. It's what it is, and it says, "Well, let's go, guys. We got kingdoms to save and women to love." <laughs> and then it says, uh, "You know, coming soon, tales of the ancient empire." It's true, uh, you know, if if you consider soon to be twenty eight years later. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the movie, it says this, and they, you know, before the credits start rolling, like the movie's coming out next year, and yeah, twenty eight years and later. If you made this movie and you think the plot of it made sense, you might think that twenty eight years is 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 soon. <laughs> that, that might be your view. Uh, so overall, again, like we said, it's got some great parts in it. Overall, it's got some weak spots, and uh, 
I still say you should check it out, uh, even if you do our, our method of just zipping through it and checking it out. It's definitely got some scenes in it. Yeah, it's got some great effects. It's got some, some like I said, the chase scene in the middle of it is a lot of fun. And I just don't think they could. They knew whether they wanted to make a, yep. a, a grim fantasy movie or if they wanted to make a swashbuckling fantasy movie. Yeah, and they if, tried to do both. If the director said, I want to make something that's unlike anything else, well, he did it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Doesn't mean it's good, but he did it. No, and 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 this falls in line with the stuff that we do, and in, in that it probably wouldn't be made like this today. And it had no. some things in it that are unique. Right, right. So, uh, all right, for a rating on this one, uh, I'm going to give this six ejectable blades. And I will agree with that assessment. I'm, I might even give it six and a half, seven ejectable blades. You know, as, as long as the, the director of the movie or the writer will admit to me that they didn't know what they were doing <laughs> B- because they they couldn't have thought that some of that parts made sense. Yeah, yeah. They just had to make the story flow somehow. I mean, I still love the director for his, his amazing work with Andrew Dice Clay and uh, <laughs> lo- a Brain Smasher, A Love Story, <laughs> and the movie Mean Gaming. No, seriously, he did do those movies, but your love for it, I don't know. Uh, Mean Guns is coming up, too, by the way. Mean Guns is awesome. 1997. Yeah. Ice-T. Yeah. You don't have to wait for us to review it. You can, and and it'll be an awesome review, but you don't have to wait. Awesome. You, you can just look it up. That's right. Brian Blessed, what do you think? Oh, well. Who wants to live forever? <laughs> I think he enjoyed the swashbuckling part of it. I think he did, too. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. Today is the day. You and your horde are in for a fun day of pillaging and killing. Heck, you wiped out four villages and burnt all the bodies in a day. A new personal record. But now you've noticed that the old sword you've been using won't even cut the leg off a small child. Tired of losing your edge? Then you need... The new Gillette Decapitator. Yes, the double-edged sword with not one, not two, but three blades. Forged by the best with the new technology. See, the first blade lifts the head in the neck region. The second cuts down to the bone, and the third seals the deal, all in one swipe. No neck is too thick for the decapitator, and the blades can be removed for easy cleaning. Your cohorts will roll their eyes while you're rolling heads. Get the Gillette Decapitator today! This is Danny Bennett, and this is a little segment called, You Know Who's Cool? You know who's cool? Clancy Brown. Sure, he's the Kurgan in Highlander. Sure, he recently showed up in John Dies at the End. But what about Blue Steel with Jamie Lee Curtis? Starship Troopers? Who played the Frankenstein monster in The Bride? Clancy Brown. How about a little movie called Shawshank Redemption? Didn't you just hate that prison guard? Did Lex Luthor need a voice? Yes, he did. Point is, You never know where he'll show up, or what he'll be doing exactly. But you know he's going to be a solid performer. 
And he's what Bruce Campbell would call a blue-collar actor who really made it. You might even find him on Earth, too. This has been You Know Who's Cool with Danny Bennett. Thanks for listening. All right. We want to thank you guys for hanging out with us again. Uh, it's it's just so much fun getting to talk about these movies. We really enjoyed this one just for the fact that we get to get together together and really watch these movies this time instead of trying to just talk about them over the internet. So uh, it's been nice visiting and hanging out with my buddy. And uh, I hope he had a good time too. Oh yeah, I had, I had a great time. And uh, I always like doing these fantasy movies. I think that they have a tendency to get overlooked in the quagmire of all the different kinds of genres out there. Um, yeah, I had a good time talking about them and watching them. And uh, I hope you guys have a good time listening to us. So just a few things before we split. Um, we want to make sure that you're checking out Le- Legion Podcast. It's really growing. It's bringing in more shows, new shows. And uh, so we're excited about that and being a, a big part of that. And uh, we just thank you guys for hanging out with us and listening. Uh, there's a couple other things, too. Well, first, I want to say thanks to Duncan McLeish. Uh, you guys will see that uh, I got a chance to work with him in an episode coming up on his show called Podcast Under the Stairs. Uh, if you're a horror fan, highly recommend that show. It's it's very w- well done. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Him and Boz just tear some stuff up. Also, he's got another one called Chronicle. It's a real short, uh, little short installs that he does. I think it may be bi-weekly. I may be wrong on that. Don't miss me. I don't, don't get mad if I'm, if I'm wrong on that, Duncan. But uh, he releases those, and they're a little short, uh, like 20 to 30-minute episodes, and it really gets in-depth. There's a lot of love and care you can tell that goes into that one. And uh, Danny and I both enjoy that one a lot. Well, and, yeah, and Duncan's just a, a workhorse. He's always putting something new out. So if you find that you enjoy his material, don't don't feel like you're going to be disappointed. You yep. know, you, once you get caught up, well, you're never going to get caught up because he's going to put stuff out there as quick as you can consume it. And that's that's a good thing. Yeah, hardest hardest working man in podcasting, That's I think. Very possible. Yeah, and he's a super nice guy. I, I didn't get an opportunity to work with him, but I, you know, maybe I will. You will, know. sucker. Yeah, I'm sure I will. And and uh, just talking to him as corresponding with him via Facebook and whatever. It's been a lot of fun because he seems like a really super nice guy. Um, also, you know, Andy Blockley has sure. uh, has reached out to us, and and it's it's awesome to hear people enjoying what we're putting out there, and and we're super glad to have him listen. Yep. Um, and a lot of these folks we're going to end up having on our show after we get, uh, like I said, a little more comfortable with what we're doing and really get our format down of what we're comfortable with. And we want to bring some other folks in and get their perspectives on the same of these too. Because, again, like we said, we all grew up with these movies. And uh, so we'll be looking for that down the road when we start bringing some other folks on and just uh, getting another perspective on some of this. So uh, I know Bo's lined up to come and do a couple. And uh, we're going to get Andy on there and, and Duncan, of course. And uh, But for you other folks out there, too, I mean, uh, uh, a lot of you guys that are staying faithful with us and listening all the time, putting posting the pictures out there for us and just being involved, uh, we just thank you guys for being involved, and hopefully we can work things out where some of you can get on the show as well. Matter of fact, I would say if you want to start doing, if you do any kind of imitations at all, or if you just want to say something like, I'll give you an example, Amy Cross. Hi, this is Amy Cross, and you're listening to the Hell Ming Power Hour. If you guys want to record that stuff on your phone, shoot it to us. We'll try to work it into the show. Sure. If you got, got comments of the show, if you like it, if you don't like it, 
We'll try to maybe not put those on the show, but we would love to hear you guys and have you on the show as well. And uh, again, the show is yours. We're just trying to steer this crazy thing. Yeah, but if if you have a bad voice, don't do it. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I mean, obviously, who are we? But two guys with a microphone and a little bit of time. Uh, stress a little bit time. Um, <laughs> but we enjoy these things and we want to share them with whoever will share them with us. Um, right. And that being said, you know, again, Legion Podcast has been good to us. Uh, we're glad to have a home with them. They have a lot of great shows on there, and, and I'm just discovering them myself. Uh, but, you know, getting caught up can be daunting. But you guys uh, have, are making it fun because you're reaching out to us, and it's a good time. We're glad to be part of the family. Right. And uh, another thing, too, we had plans to, to get uh, quite a few things done this weekend when we got together. Danny and I are both under the weather a bit, and I know we've promised singing some, some songs, but right now, we just feel like we couldn't do them justice. And uh, matter of fact, Danny's been coughing his head off the whole time, and we just having to work around that. And, and uh, everybody's got the crud. Everybody's got the, the, the sinus thing going on. So we promise, we promise, we promise we will get to these songs. Right now is just, <laughs> it, it would not be pretty. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll take the time to give you a little bit of a, of a preview, and I'll say, don't you want to know why we keep starting fires? <laughs> It's my desire. My desire. It's my desire. I don't know why we keep starting fires. It's my desire. It's my desire. It's my desire. <laughs> All right. So I, I, I was looking forward to doing that, too. I mean, I might not have the best voice in the world, but I don't have a problem um, doing what I can do. <laughs> we got some cool ideas we're working on and hopefully get you involved. And like I said, uh, if you do an, a bad imitation or a good imitation of somebody's you know popular voice or whatever, you know, record it, send it to us. Uh, however, you want to do that uh, on Facebook for sure. But uh, make sure you're just checking out both Facebook pages. There's a lot of stuff going on there, and uh, <laughs> that's the weirdest thing. Okay, we just saw a picture of. Uh, is that? It's it's the. Teletubby. It's, it's Samara from the ring. Uh, yeah, crawling out of a... Sadako, depending on which one you were talking about. Yeah. Uh, crawling out of Poe, the Teletubby? Yeah, I believe that's Poe. Um, and it just got posted to Legion Podcast. Yeah, pretty creepy. So uh, just keep it going, guys. We appreciate you. Uh, so I can already say you know what's cool? What's cool? Bo Ransdale. Oh. <laughs> He's cool. Yeah. A lot of cool podcasters. Uh, Duncan McLeish would be cool. Yeah. You know who's cool? Who? Big D that gave us a review on, on Legion Podcast. You guys can actually go to Legion Podcast and put in quotes or thoughts, anything like that, on the page where you guys are downloading these and listening to them. It helps drive up business. Also on iTunes, if you get on there and give us a good rating, it just makes more people check us out. It's all in your hands, folks. But you know who else is cool? Amy, Amy Cross. Oh, yeah, that's all of our listeners are cool. What are you talking about? That's right. Unless they quit listening and then they're not cool anymore. Yeah. Oh, Misty Merchant. Misty Merchant's pretty cool. Yeah. When you got an I Love Evil t-shirt and and a uh, a scarf from the was he the fourth Doctor Tom Baker? Sure. Yeah, he, it's a cool only scarf. Doc, the only Doctor I know is Doctor Pepper. He was the seventh one, right? Seventh heaven. Yes. Seven sins. Seven Doors of Death. Seven Little Chipmunks Sitting on a Branch. 
eating sunflower seeds on All my right, grandfather's guys. ranch. We're getting, <clears throat> we're getting stupid now, guys. Hey, we're going to check out of here. Be putting together another show. We haven't decided what movies we're going to do next, but it's coming pretty soon. Then after that, we'll be making our trip to Texas Frightmare, which we always go to. We have a good time of that. So, uh, guys, just keep it going. Thanks for listening. Drum up some more business. Get involved. Again, it's no fun if you're not listening or getting involved. So we thank you. Have a good night. Good night. <laughs> yeah, every movie we every every movie we're reviewing. How has, many takes is this? Is this like the fifth take? Hey, don't worry about it, man. Just keep going. Okay. They don't know that. Well, they do now. (laughs) Every movie that we are reviewing has sounds kind of like this. (laughs) (laughs) I am your (laughs) father. Man. This is going to be a special episode, folks. I hope you're feeling it, because we're not. <laughs> Emphasis on the word special. <laughs>